Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 27th episode of 2022. It's hard to believe we're already starting the second half of the year. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank the sponsors of Fiber for Breakfast, including our gold sponsors, Graybar and Vetro. You know, last week ended the second quarter and completed the first half of 2022. It's hard to believe that we're halfway through the year. And I sent a letter out to our members on Thursday reporting our second quarter results. Hopefully you have seen my update, but if not, I'm going to share a few of the key highlights. You know, the Fiber Broadband Association added over 80 companies that have joined as members in the first half of 2022. And we continue to maintain over 52% of our membership from network operators, 34% are vendors, and the remaining are consulting engineer companies, uh, financiers, deployment specialists, and others. Our recent Fiber Connect 22 conference broke all previous records and we're close to selling out the exhibit floor for 2023 in Orlando. Uh, we also successfully completed our pilot for our optics, fiber optic technician training program in May. Uh, we hosted a sold out train the trainer workshop in Nashville and we're on the path to launching this training to community colleges, veterans organizations and training institutes across the nation. And our biggest highlight for the year so far is NCI prioritizing end-to-end fiber for our nation's critical broadband infrastructure and the $42.45 billion bead NOFO. Speaking of the bead NOFO, the Notice of Funding Opportunity, uh, we have spent the past several weeks studying the NOFO and updating the broadband infrastructure playbook with guidelines and state best practices for implementing the bead program. Um, we're going to be releasing a new playbook on Tuesday, July 12th, and we'll be hosting a broadband infrastructure playbook post speed NOFO update webinar at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, that's on Tuesday, July 12th. We'll walk you through the updates and you'll be able to hear from some of the industry's top policy experts. Uh, so you're not going to want to miss that. So please register today. Also, I want to remind everybody our next regional Fiber Connect workshop is at Copper Mountain Resort in Colorado on August 23rd and we'll be in Columbus, Ohio on November 3rd. So both workshops will sell out, so please register today. So for today's Fire for Breakfast session, we're discussing the latest research topic and be uh, near and dear to all of us to work from home in a session titled, The Work From Home and Collaboration Megatrends Are Fusing, Fueling the Fiber Diet with Ron Westfall at Futurium Research. Last week at Fire for Breakfast, we discussed Changing the fate of rural Missouri with fiber broadband, an electric co-op with more broadband subscribers than electric members with Darren Farnan, the general manager of United Fiber. You know, Darren did a wonderful job and received a lot of positive feedback on that topic. So thanks, Darren, and it was really fun to talk last week. For today's Fiber Breakfast session, we're gonna be discussing work from home and the collaboration megatrends are fueling the fiber diet with Ron Westfall of Futurum Research. Ron is an experienced research expert and analyst with over 20 years of experience 
in the digital and IT transformation market. As a senior analyst and research director with Futurum Research, he is a recognized authority at tracking the evolution of and identifying key disruptive trends within service enablement ecosystems, including software and services, infrastructure, 5G, IoT, AI, analytics, security, cloud computing, revenue management, and regulatory issues. Welcome, Ron, and please type in your questions as we go, and we'll work them in their Q&A. With that, I'm gonna turn it over to Ron. Thank you, Gary. And again, I'd like to commend the outstanding Fiber Connect show that was conducted uh, last week. So kudos on that. And for today, Fiber for Breakfast, week 27, yes, uh, work from home and collaboration are important trends that are definitely impacting you know, our fiber ecosystem. And with that on the next slide, let's dive right in. Thank you. And yeah, to uh, kick it off, uh, let's address the why of the survey. Why do we conduct it? Uh, well, first of all, uh, is it a survey that we are focusing in terms of confirming that work from home and collaboration trends are enduring? That is, uh, we know from our own experiences or from the experiences of any of our colleagues that work from home is something that is taking off. However, we wanted to have hard data to back that up, and I'll address why that impacts uh, the fiber industry. Also, uh, what was important to the survey was also discerning, you know, how organizations are approaching this today. That is, which ones are actually having an official unified approach to uh, their work from home and collaboration implementations, and which ones are still, you know, more or less are improvising. It's an unofficial approach, but they have to do it. Uh, a couple of data points. Uh, we surveyed 525 key decision makers across organizations uh, that uh, fall into important industry verticals, and I'll also emphasize that. And uh, also, uh, in terms of that dichotomy, 177 of those 525 respondents do identify as actually having an official policy today. But as we can see, uh, almost two-thirds are still improvising how they're going to best approach this new uh, post-pandemic reality. And of note, um, uh, in disclosure, Microsoft sponsored our survey. And yet here uh, we're doing uh, a snapshot of you know, some of the key demographics of the survey. I don't want to spend 20 minutes just going over demographics. But here, uh, this is something that early on has garnered the most attention from our perspective. That is, you know, which verticals uh, participated in the survey the most, which ones are having the most impact here. And uh, a couple of observations, as you can see, uh, it's a pretty diverse range. It's pre pretty much impacting uh, the entire ecosystem in different ways. That is, you know, how are we adapting to the work from home and remote work trends and also leveraging collaboration platforms as a result. And uh, also of notes, over 90% of the respondents are primary or significantly influential decision makers. So this is really, you know, impacting you know, the key decision makers, and our survey was fortunately able to capture just that input. And also of note, uh, over two-thirds of the respondents work for organizations with $1 billion or more in annual revenues. And you know, naturally, that stands to reason because the large organizations are almost apparently going to have to uh, support a remote workforce or work-from-home approach in varying degrees. And with the next slide, we can drill down more on the vertical industries themselves. 
And as you can see here, uh, basically the, the top industry verticals that uh, uh, responded included financial services such as banking and insurance companies, and secondly, manufacturing and construction, retail and consumer goods, automotive and transportation, and finally, media and communications. That represents the top five. And that is amongst the uh, organizations that have an official unified approach to uh, this uh, a trend that we're addressing. And then uh, the remainders are uh, also uh, pretty much a uh, strong parallel. That is, uh, with the exception of automotive and transportation being substituted by healthcare, uh, we're seeing uh, that all of these segments are definitely having a stake in what's going on. And I think uh, what's important to note that there's not a lot of the variance uh, between uh, those that have an official approach and those who are pretty much unofficial. And uh, what I think is uh, also important to note is the questions come up, well, how does manufacturing have you know, such a stake in uh, work from home or distributed workforces? And uh, we're seeing important trends uh, such as AI and automation playing a more important role, a lot of it brought in by uh, the pandemic itself and having to adapt to those circumstances. Uh, but also uh, we're seeing an uptick in things like video surveillance and uh, other uh, similar video capabilities that are allowing uh, more decision makers to actually maintain a work from home presence or a remote work presence, uh, even for the manufacturing segment. And I think it uh, stands to reason why the other ones uh, pretty much have uh, a stake in uh, what's going on. And so uh, this is, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, important to know, you know, what are the verticals that are uh, inputting the data for our key takeaways, which I'll be addressing starting with the next slide. And yes, uh, I think um, what we're seeing is that uh, the data is validating, confirming what I think many of us are already experiencing. It's the fact that the vast majority of workforces are now uh, pretty much in a work from home mode or, or at least hybrid. Uh, so, uh, for example, as you can see, it's in the middle there that at least 50% uh, of uh, the uh, organizations out there are pretty much uh, having to support a work from home uh, approach. And uh, that, I think, is something uh, that uh, is important for organizations out there to prioritize is pretty much not only are we having to support this because of pandemic-fueled realities, but now you really need to have a strategic approach. This is something that's going to have to become integral to decision-making and to optimizing business outcomes and other uh, important uh, goals such as related to sustainability. And uh, from our perspective, as uh, we can see uh, the percentages there, uh, that uh, this is pretty much uh, solidifying uh, the work uh, from home uh, business case in terms of fiber to the home becoming more essential to uh, the success of uh, workforces and also uh, fiber to uh, workspaces. And uh, I think uh, why that's important is obviously not just bandwidth assurances and quality of service assurances, but also uh, in terms of security. And here we go. Uh, this is, I think, uh, definitely uh, demonstrating uh, the fact that amongst uh, all the organizations, whether they have an official single holistic approach or are still pretty much having to support uh, uh, the, uh, the work from home phenomena on an unofficial basis, it's, uh, I think, key to know that uh, this is verifying that uh, there's still a lot of work to be done also. 
So the, what the data here, I believe, is suggesting is that there's a lot of flux, that there is actually still some indecision in terms of how far are organizations really adapting and adjusting to uh, the work from home uh, realities. And uh, so what uh, this also means is it reinforces a business opportunity for organizations out there that are, for example, managed service providers and have uh, fiber portfolios. And uh, what I think is also important to note is that the challenges are impacting both uh, organizations that already have an official unified approach and those that are still pretty much having to operate on a uh, more or less ad hoc basis. That is, uh, for example, the IT uh, unit or the organization is pretty much spearheading this, but it's still not a, an organization-wide uh, policy. And yes, uh, I think uh, this is uh, important to note right here that uh, the survey is indicating that there's tangible room uh, for imp uh, improvement in terms of how collaboration capabilities and tools are being supported uh, throughout uh, the organization. And so uh, this is kind of uh, begging the question, you know, why is uh, this the case? Uh, as you can see, um, those organizations that have already adopted a single holistic approach are showing more satisfaction with the outcomes of their collaboration platforms distributed across uh, the workforce, including uh, work from home uh, workers. And uh, what I believe is important to note here is that uh, I, th I think what needs to make a difference is the fact that the executive leadership really has to uh, charge, uh, take a charge on this. Uh, that is, uh, only those organizations where the executive team is actually playing a leadership role and saying, yes, we need to have an organization-wide work-from-home collaboration platform policy that accounts for these post-pandemic realities. And that, I think, is a big difference maker. But I think what is also uh, feeling some of the indecision is the wild cards uh, that um, I think we're familiar with. The fact that uh, something like the Delta variant cropped up last year and caused, uh, for example, cancellations and postponements of live events and so forth in the fall and winter of 21. And so this is uh, something that is still, uh, I think, impacting the decision making. Although, as we can see uh, this year, things are getting back into more or less a cadence in terms of you know, real person, uh, in-person events. And that's certainly uh, welcomed, uh, but it's also uh, not a, uh, something that we can count on as being a permanent feature. And thus, uh, that I think reinforces the need for official policymaking that prioritizes work from home capabilities. And uh, again, uh, I think uh, what this is indicating is that uh, there are organizations out there that are uh, pinpointing why is it that they haven't actually had more success uh, in terms of being fully satisfied with their work from home and collaboration implementations. And I think uh, one key takeaway is that, as you can see, security concerns are at the top, executive support and IT support are pretty much, you know, uh, leading indicators as to why this is. And uh, this, I believe, presents an opportunity for service providers, particularly ones with managed service uh, uh, offerings, to, uh, for example, prioritize cybersecurity as a way for the, these organizations to have more confidence, to have more satisfaction in how their work from home and collaboration implementations are optimized. And uh, again, I think uh, it, it needs to be repeated 
the fact is that you have to have the CXOs in on this decision making, that they need to be the ones who are going to say, yes, uh, we have to have uh, policies that are across the board and that definitely prioritize security as well as ensuring that all the business units are pretty much on board with uh, the approach. And I think uh, this is something that is a, a very valuable takeaway, uh, the data that's indicated on this slide. Uh, as you can see in the left column, uh, it, there are very high percentages here that show that the work culture shifts are huge and are basically uh, taking on a positive perspective. And what I think is important on this is that the workforces are you know, basically jazzed by the opportunity to work more from home. Uh, this is something that I think is improving productivity. I believe it's something that is raising uh, morale across the board. And uh, so in, in essence, this is aligning with the preferences of, of the workforces out there. And as a result, it uh, simply reinforces the fiber work from home uh, use case. And I, I think also what is in play here is, you know, why are workforces so you know, pleased about uh, this uh, megatrend here? And uh, for one, I think we can all understand that people uh, prefer to avoid daily commutes. You know, it's a hassle. It, it can be a time suck, you know, because of traffic jams and so forth. And uh, so this is something that I think could be factored more into uh, the promotion of uh, any managed service or a fiber service is the fact that uh, by working from home, you're cutting down on daily commutes. And as a result, uh, basically helping to sustainability goals of an organization. Uh, it makes you know, the employees feel, you know, I think better about themselves, not just avoiding the commute, but also knowing that, okay, this is another way to, you know, help reduce carbon footprint, to help energy efficiency, advance green credentials and so forth. So in, in effect, it's a win-win scenario that is uh, being played out here and definitely uh, merits uh, support from uh, the fiber community. And yes, here we are. Uh, you know, why is it that the work from home and collaboration trends are so important? I think uh, organizations need to get on the single holistic approach bandwagon. And I think we've seen, you know, the major announcements coming from, uh, for example, established organizations such as 3M, Fujitsu, uh, Nationwide, uh, as well as Siemens, basically saying that, yes, we are adopting a permanent work from home approach policy, or at least giving the employees that they'll have to essentially be at a, a headquarters or a branch office, the flexibility to work from home on a full-time or at least a part-time basis. And that also applies to uh, more or less, you know, online internet uh, centric organizations such as Shopify, uh, Spotify and Meta and so forth. So this is, I think, definitely something that uh, is being reinforced is the fact that we have so many of these uh, top organizations basically getting on this bandwagon and uh, they're actually, I think, uh, the ones who are gaining uh, the most fruit from doing so. Also, I think, uh, again, uh, this is something that service providers need to capitalize on. Here is basically an opportunity where it's, uh, in effect, the mountain coming to Mohammed. That is, the pandemic has actually produced a new uh, enduring permanent uh, arrangement of distributed workforces, including a, an essential work from home component. And as a result, uh, I think we're seeing uh, more bundle services that are catering to this. 
That is, uh, if you're an organization and not only do you need to support your branch office uh, and remote offices in a traditional sense, now you have to actually support hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of remote employees under hopefully a common uh, umbrella, it, uh, a policy-driven uh, approach that accounts for security. And so uh, that can also, in essence, drive uh, technologies such as SD-WAN, but also emerging SASE architectures. And clearly there's a role for fiber in being able to make those types of services and capabilities more attractive to uh, large organizations out there. And uh, I think what's also important to note is that uh, with uh, the work from home era is that now broadband becomes an essential for not only organizations, but also for people who are working from home. Now uh, the broadband bill is on par with the energy bill, the water bill. It is something that is just integral. People's livelihoods now depend on this. So, you know, you need fiber to really optimize that. And I think we understand, you know, the built-in advantages that fiber can deliver in this uh, key regard. And so it's not just a tech uh, issue or a work efficiency issue. This is something that's impact impacting society across the board. And uh, well, a lot of our survey data points definitely focused on businesses. It's also impacting government and education, for example, and we definitely had input from them as well, but they pretty much paralleled exactly the key takeaways that we saw in the survey itself. And uh, so, yes, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our perspective on this and our key takeaways. And with that, I'll turn the mic over to you, Gary. Hey, thanks, Ron. Really appreciate it. Um, so, you know, back in not too long ago, we used to think about kind of two networks, right? We had the residential broadband network, and then we had the enterprise network. And now that um, it, it looks like that most of those companies have at least up to 50% of their employees working from home, it, it sounds like that everything is now the enterprise network. Is that what you're seeing? Yes, it's it's across the board. And uh, yes, uh, we focused on the large organizations uh, because we knew they had to support this. And thus we could get that you know, very key distinction of who is on board with a full time uh, unified approach and those who are having to support it, but they're not quite there yet. And uh, yes, uh, I think uh, there's definitely a strong convergence uh, between the enterprise network and uh, the residential network as a result. And I think uh, this is being reinforced. And I think, yeah, on the 50% uh, data point is that even those that are less than 50%, they're having to support some form of work from home or remote working. And so this is pretty much across the board. There's not a single organization out there that has not been impacted by this. And as a result, uh, the twain have met. And so I believe that for the broadband community, uh, the, uh, the smarter you are about you know, recognizing uh, this uh, distinct market opportunity, but also addressing this, i.e., how can we target something like Nationwide or Siemens and offer a, a bona fide across the board uh, uh, broadband service that is not just the enterprise needs, which are very uh, distinct in terms of say the headquarters, but also ensuring that all of these remote employees are on the network in a secure uh, fashion with all the bandwidth and quality of service assurances that fiber can only deliver. 
So from our audience, you know, we had questions on, you know, the research tells us that homes have on average 18 connected devices and growing. Um, and I know that you didn't address this in this particular study, but from your other research, you know, do you have a perspective on that? You know, what's the impact on broadband with multiple users on a network at the same time, you know, with work from home, education, and everything else? That's an excellent question. And yes, uh, I, I believe uh, definitely reinforces the need for the policy-driven approach. That is, uh, I think the organizations that recognize this uh, are going to be the ones that will have more near-term success and a result uh, long-term success. Because we know it's not just about connecting a PC from a home office like you know we are right now. It's also about mobile devices. It's also about uh, devices that can be characterized as consumer Internet of Things and, and so forth. There, again, 18 is a significant number. And you definitely want to make sure that when an employee is working from whatever workspace they're using, that device is secure, that it's supposed to be on that network. And so it does increase what uh, we understand as the attack surface. But the good news is, is that through secure policies, uh, there are definitely ways to account for that. And it actually, one thing that I think is encouraging that we're seeing is that a lot of the open source community can now def dedicate their resources to countering, you know, the security threats that are out there, accounting for this, you know, 18 devices, uh, more or less, per household uh, phenomena. It's a reality. It's just something that has to be accounted for and addressed. And uh, uh, so that's the challenge. But the good news is that we're seeing uh, success in that regard as long as it's prioritized by the organizations that are having to support any work from home employees, et cetera. What about, um, I mean, one, I'm always surprised that when I look at my, um, my uh, net network, um, um, how many devices are actually connected to it. It's always shocking. You know, there's always a new switch or something that's um, in the pool switch or something. Uh, what about best practices for collaboration and employment engagement in virtual environment? Have you, um, from any of your other research, do you have any views on that? Yeah, I, I, I touched on uh, some of that. I think um, one thing that uh, it will make a difference is uh, the service providers and uh, the enterprises or you know businesses out there uh, collaborating more on how to optimize their WAN implementations. Uh, you know, uh, we can see the writing on the wall. Yes, uh, for example, if you have an MPLS-based uh, service, it's reliable, but it's also somewhat inflexible, and it could be more expensive than, say, an emerging SD-WAN implementation. And that, I think, uh, is one example of how you can also implement a, a security policy that is based on a per-application uh, approach, on a per-flow approach, and so forth. It gets more granular. And as a result, you can have more confidence in the overall security. And following on that, I see uh, uh, adopting emerging SASE architectures, uh, that is the ability to also integrate remote work from home uh, employees as an overall policy-driven security approach as being able to really uh, make a difference in this uh, key regard. And so, uh, again, it's just, uh, I think, a, a, a takeaway from our perspective uh, that uh, can make a difference in this very, you know, key vital area. Well, Ron, uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing your research and insights and expertise with the audience today.
And thanks everyone for joining us. Let's look forward to get back together next Wednesday. We're going to be discussing moose, lobsters, blueberries, and broadband with Peggy Schaefer, the executive director of Connect Maine Authority, as she discusses her most recent $28 million broadband grant from NTIA. So we will see everybody next Wednesday. Thanks everyone, have a great week.